Hi, I'm Patrick. And I'm Alex. And this is Swirl Talk 901. We are meeting today to have someone who I personally am very excited to sit and chat with. Uh, she is such a phenomenal woman throughout the community here in Memphis in the tri-state area. She is a she's a leader of several groups and organizations, but especially um, Love Doesn't Hurt, which is one of our strongest. I, I want to say community outreach programs that we have here in Memphis. And we'll talk to her a little bit about that. Uh, she is my personal best friend and bro. I mean, we are, our, our love is amazing. It's, it's so, <laughs> such a strong bond between. It is inspiring. <laughs> it is. It's very much inspiring. So I'm very excited to have her on our show today. Uh, Alex, I know you know her. We, we each have a different relationship with her, but we've kind of bonded as a unit sort of so to speak yeah me through more we we got to know each other and met through the drag world um and became family from there it's it's a different kind of swirl yeah (laughs) it is i've got a different kind of swirl with her you do (laughs) (laughs) so yes we've got uh phyllis lewis here with us today uh phyllis how are you doing today I'm doing awesome. How are you guys doing? Man, living life and loving it. That's 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 all I got for you. That's yes, I, I just got a little excited because the Amazon Prime guy just showed up. So um, <laughs> when when you become an God adult, bless his thing, soul. right? The things that excite you as an adult are like uh, crazy. <laughs> yeah. I get it, man. And these guys are warriors. Yes, they're out here trucking and serving us. We definitely appreciate that. They've been to my house several times in the last few weeks preparing for the holidays. So yes, we definitely. are Those definitely loving them. Never look so good. Yes, that's that's honestly what it is. <laughs> now, Phyllis, tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words. Give us. We know you, but our listeners might not know you. And if they do know you, they know you as. Do they know you as Phyllis or do they know you as Freak Nasty? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, it depends on what time of the day they catch me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm like Bruce Wayne and Batman. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so during the day, um, most people know me as Phyllis Lewis. I primarily work in the sector of um, working with victims of domestic and sexual violence and other victims of crime. I started my career off at the DA's office. I was there for about nine years and I worked in the domestic violence and prosecution unit. I handled over 80,000 cases during my tenure there. And I then moved on. Yeah, that's a a bunch. So um, Tennessee has like one of the highest, um, numbers as far as domestic violence is concerned in shelby county we equate for over half of the whole entire state Mm. 
that is that's we'll we will talk on that a little bit more because I'm I'm curious as to why you think that is. But um give us now tell us about your Batman identity. Tell us Okay. So <laughs> when 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 I am not kicking ass in the, the courtrooms and in the, the social service um industry, I, I like to twirl with my, my squirrel friends um on the stages of Memphis <laughs> and all over the, the United States as Freak Nasty. And so even Freak Nasty has two personas. So like mm-hmm. freak nancy has split personalities because i have like my feminine persona and then i have my masculine persona mm-hmm. now that's how i met you through your well i met you of course as phyllis but your your masculine performance is where i got to know you and mm-hmm. that was definitely different i remember the first time i saw you as a femme i was like oh these are interesting feelings that are Swirling yeah, in my I know you were like a snack right there. I know. Yeah, what you were uh-huh. like, uh-huh. I can, I can get down with that. I was like, freak nasty in the most respectful way possible. Yeah, of yeah. course, of course, completely respectful. <laughs> freak nasty male persona. I was like, mm, well. He could get uh, yeah, it. No, nah, he couldn't have got it. He couldn't have got <laughs> no. it. But freak, freak nasty. I don't know. I really like. like okay. I really like uh, male freak nasty. But of course, you know, for very different reasons, I like <laughs> female freak nasty. Like it was, Two it was definitely very was different reasons. Interesting, right? They they definitely speak to you on a different level, and I feel like you as my bro it was it was definitely different learning the inner workings of freak nasty male freak nasty female it's like okay so freak nasty male he's a little he's a little much for me but freak nasty female <laughs> okay we can we can kick but it we can hang about that is like when you call when you call her bro like I always imagine her as freak nasty male. No, <laughs> like, freak nasty male and Patrick are just like in the Jersey. Yes. <laughs> freak nasty male and Patrick, we're kind of okay, but freak nasty female and Patrick, we are in there. We are we are down yeah. for the clown like that. That's just because freak nasty male is too much competition for me. I'm like, no, you, now you, we're getting to you, the you, you too, you too much, brother. To he's, just, just he's probably like, why somewhere. does this motherfucker's goatee look better than mine? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're, we're, we can, Free we can goatee game yes. is strong. Yes. yes. I mean, just full oh, I've on. never I'm seen just a like, like that. Yeah, so... That's definitely something we'll kind of talk a little bit on later in the show. So tell us about Love Doesn't Hurt. So Love Doesn't Hurt is, um, it started off as just an emergency fund that was created back in 2012. And last year we decided to incorporate and become our own nonprofit. And so the purpose of the nonprofit now is to bring emergency services to victims of crime in the lgbtq plus community and that we do that by like addressing housing insecurity food insecurity getting basic need items um to individuals out there and then there's things that we cover that a lot of normal grants don't cover um dealings with things like if your window was broken out 
as a result of a domestic incident or someone broke in your house and now mm -hmm. you can't pay to replace your window in your house. Normal grants usually don't cover things like that. Um, we also handle um, transportation, either giving like bus cards, um, Uber, Lyft, getting individuals connected to employment opportunities that offer them um sending them places that we definitely know that are inclusive and diverse not only in the positions that they offer but also in their their policies and regulations too as well that you're not going to a space where you don't feel like you can live in your truth um we also do educational sessions to address things like uh, financial literacy uh, active shooting we talk about um, evictions and tenant rights because Tennessee is one of those states that does not have any protections for the LGBTQ plus community. But there are different backdoor ways to address any discrimination that's happening. But if you don't know what that is, you're just going to be kind of, you know, shit out of luck unless you're getting connected to like a nonprofit that like we work with with Memphis Area Legal Services or Community Legal Center and letting people know the resources that are out there and our our biggest thing is we want to make sure that people have more access to information because in doing that the more access to information you have the better you are able to do the better you are able to thrive especially after a very traumatic situation of being victimized you already mm -hmm. feel like you don't have anybody and we are there to work with other community partners and organizations to say hey you know we got you you're not alone you're not going to go through this by yourself we're going to help you as much as we can to help get you where you want to be okay now you work with you work with most you work with all lifestyles but you try to focus mostly on the queer community how does that translate into helping like who who are you reaching out to we're reaching out to everyone in the, the queer community. Um, historically, as far as our clients, most of our clients have been um, trans, the transgender community, mostly people of color, uh, because that is where you're going to see the higher numbers in regards to crime and domestic violence because they are more vulnerable because also Tennessee again is now the only state where you cannot change your gender marker and so you, it's it's things like that that put a, a, a population that's already at risk at a higher risk mm -hmm. okay and so for the trans community, when it comes to housing, not every housing agency or facility is welcome to the trans community. You have places in Memphis that will turn people away unless they come as their birth gender, as they say. That's not safe for them to come as their birth gender. And that puts them at a higher probability of being assaulted. Um, there have been, you know, conversations and trainings and discussions that have had to been made with even like law enforcement and even the jails, because at first the jails were putting trans people in general population. Mm. And so there were conversations that had to be had to say, hey, look, that's not a safe place 
for them to be. Now, unfortunately, because the jails have not been uh, renovated in a way to have pods or uh, or single um, kind of cells that will allow for them to separate the trans community, the only options that they have as of right now, which are very unfortunate, is to place them in isolation, which is worse. It's it's like you're you're either being put in the general population or you're being isolated where you're left to your own devices, which can definitely take a mental toll, especially on someone that may have endured a lot of trauma even before becoming a part of the system. So with with our organization, we try to do our best to educate not only individuals who we work closely with but also the community as a whole to promote that cultural humility we're not saying that after you've come to one of our sessions or you've done some professional development with us that you're going to be the most competent person in the world as far as like lgbtq plus is concerned but we're saying we're going to help you create a foundation so that way you can do better because once you know better you can do better okay that's amazing and you can build upon that yeah. Now, let me ask a question. Um, I know you and I have discussed several times about how you have, you deal with trans community, you deal, you deal with lesbian community, you deal with the gay community, but considering, and I'm speaking as a male, why do you feel that the male community is so underreported within like domestic violence stuff like that because i know a lot of not a lot of people but i know people that have that have dealt with that that are kind of like dealing with this situation or dealing with it why do you feel that men are not reporting their issues or their concerns with domestic violence i think there's multiple reasons for that um i think that they don't talk about it because of shame um and it seems emasculating and then also even with coming in contact with law enforcement there is sometimes those stigmas that come with that you know not all law enforcement are friendly all not all of them are um welcome to um, addressing the situation seriously. They may, you may have some officers that don't have the right language. They show up to the scene and they're like, I can't believe you just let this dude jump all over you versus saying, Hey, I'm here to resolve this situation. How can I help you? What do you need? What do you, you have someplace safe to go? Is there anyone that I need to call? And then that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then also in that you have situations where, Sometimes we think that the community is way smaller than what it is. And so we will um, project a lack of options onto people. So if they're going through a hard situation in an already marginalized community, they're going to be like, well, you better stick it out because you ain't going to find nobody else um out here that's gonna love you the way that this person is loving you well i hope not because the way that they love me is not the way that i need to be loved i i don't feel respected i don't feel like i'm being treated right i'm being abused i'm being mentally degraded and that's a very toxic environment and i think that we have to check ourselves and making sure that we're not 
projecting onto other people that they should stay in these toxic and hostile relationships just because we feel there aren't very many other fishes in the sea where maybe you go into the wrong sea okay maybe you need to take a vacation <laughs> mm-hmm. onto the other side of the sea because there's a bunch of f- fish over there okay so let me ask you a question what is like why do you feel shelby county is having such a prevalence of domestic violence? Why do you feel it's so dominant here compared to all the other places throughout the world? Because, I mean, we're, as far as numbers are concerned, we're not the size of L.A. County. We're not the size of, you know, Dallas, stuff like New York, stuff like that. Why Why is it so big on here? Why is it so huge here? Well, in, in Shelby County, one, um, one in four par- one in four people that live in Shelby County live in poverty. One in four. So that Man, means that's a staggering statistic. Right. So that's twenty so That means one of us. Right. Is living that means in poverty. one of us that that's on the line is living in poverty. So that's twenty five percent of your population. Wow. And then there and with that that same 25% cannot provide basic need items for themselves. Mm-hmm. And we all, when it comes to domestic violence, it's intersectional. It's not just one thing that causes it. It could be mental health. It could be physical health. It could be financial um, burdens and issues. It could be educational issues. It could be culture issues it could be lack of opportunities it could be barriers as far as resources and access to things um because of geographical like your neighborhoods what you are able to get connected to versus what you're not able to get connected to you have individuals that live in memphis as big as it is that have not been outside 10 blocks of their house oh wow wow Yeah, I mean, that, you know, poverty breeds desperation and it breeds just there's so much anguish in some of the communities that are that, you know, are are very poor because of all the things that you just mentioned. I mean, even if you're not born with mental health issues, but you're born into a society where you're, you know, you don't have access to the basic things that humans need. And the things that a lot of us take for granted in more affluent communities or anything, you know, just like you were saying, like one in four says 25 percent of the population. You can go, you know, from one street to the next and it seems like a different world. Um, But there, you know, there's so much anxiety and frustration that goes into these issues that people who live in poverty deal with, Um, you know, health care, finances um, cultural, you know, things that they haven't, stigmas that they've grown up in and, you know, the perpetuation of poverty that has caused these cycles of, you know, of despair and, and ultimately violence. Well, speaking on that, um, why do you think that people of color compared to non-people of color, white people, why do you think there's so much disparities in between one person reports, one person doesn't report. Why do you feel that the numbers are such, why do you feel there's a huge gap between those two? I, I think 
for for that reason it's it's about equity um in the more affluent um communities you're going to have greater access to options um versus okay. in the not um as as affluent neighborhoods and if like when when I, I do um sometimes I do presentations for officers and so I try to kind of put it into perspective for them when they say well why don't they leave and so think about it like this think about a mom who has four kids and they work but they don't make $15 an hour but they're pulling like 60 70 hours a week um two to three of the children are not school age so if the abuser is the caretaker if the abuser goes away then those kids have to go somewhere and majority of the time um, during the course of the relationship it averagely takes a survivor or victim seven times to leave so during that time frame you have probably lost that support system those individuals that you could probably say hey can you watch my kids while i go to work or while i go to school or while i'm taking care of my business so now instead of having that support system you have to figure out child care and averagely to put a child under the age of four in child care is going to run you between 700 to 1100 dollars a month per kid Oh my wow, that's crazy. So that is the amount of some people's rent yeah. or car notes. Mm -hmm. And so you're multiple, like I said, this person has two to three kids. So multiply that by two to three. And then that's not, that's just childcare. That's not even taking into account rent, lights, transportation, clothing i'm pretty sure they're gonna get hungry so food and then thinking about insurance car insurance health insurance don't let them get sick it's it's, right. it's going to be ridiculous and that's why you know like back in the day and still today too you had comedians that were like you know when a kid gets hurt you tell them pour some tussin on it because they were like <laughs> we too broke we too broke to take you to yeah. the hospital so yeah. it, that's that's people's reality and so when you have someone that feels they have a lack of options the amount of trauma the amount of abuse mm -hmm. that they will deal with because they're like if i leave what am i leaving to go to where am i going to take my kids right where yeah. how, how am i going to take care of myself yeah this is not a good situation for any of us but you know it's a worse situation starving mm -hmm. not having clothes not having anywhere to take them you know i've already lost my support system at this point so you know how am i supposed to leave and i, I think it was really uh poignant what you said earlier about um as far as like male presenting victims those victims being underreported um, because you see that hyper-masculinity in the police force and you see that patriarchal attitude that they have toward everything and every, and, and I'm not speaking on, you know, for the system as a whole, 
it's just something that from, you know, from what I can tell um, from the domestic violence side is, you know, it because of our patriarchal culture, it is it, it is shameful. There is a lot of shame in a male presenting person admitting defeat or, you know, harm, you know, admitting that they were harmed by someone else. I think that the work that you do is really, really great. I think that um, you've come a really long way since you started from, you know, it was a, I think it, was it the event, the annual event that you, um, that you started the, the drag show and uh, the speakers and everything that, what was that in 2011? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 2012. 2012? First event. Yes. Yeah, because I know you and I started uh, doing drag at the same time, and it mm-hmm. was and that was in 2011. Yeah, yes. in February, February 2011. Is that right? Yeah my my anniversary date is January 27th, 2011. Okay, so that was like I can't remember exactly if it was the week before or the week after that uh that I started but I know you and I started like within two within two weeks of each other Mm -hmm. and um you know for you to have just skyrocketed from you know the little drag king who I think you used saran wrap uh, for the, I mean, it was like, <laughs> yeah, Serena, I, 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 I had to like, okay. So I was getting yeah. like advice on to how to bound down my boobs by a cups. I was like, come on now. <laughs> I was like, I'm over here. Miss, I, I got double D's. Okay. <laughs> I was like, it's uh-huh. <laughs> I, I was you like, had to use duct tape and saran wrap and everything. I had to use we like the, the gorilla tape and everything to take uh-huh. these bad boys down. I know. Like I can Oh my god. I remember watching like one of your first shows and I was just like this was like one of my first times seeing a drag king because I don't think I had seen Christopher yet. And I know I hadn't seen I hadn't seen you, Alex, yet or anything yeah. like that. So I see this I see this dude come out in this like blue hoodie, I wanna say it was, I think it was, and these big ass jeans and these white kicks. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, who is this? <laughs> and you did I wanna say a Bell Bib DeVoe song. Either poison or I can't remember what it was, and I was just like, "What is this howdy doody looking mother?" I was, I was, <laughs> you just you just came out there, you were grinding on any and everybody. I was just like, Mm-mm, "This this is not gonna work." Your Welcome boobs were like all over the nasty. place. Yes, your boobs were like all over the place. I was just like, "Who is this? Why is this?" I was I was very confused, very confused about it. And you came over to somebody that was sitting next to me, and I heard you say something. I was like, "That's a girl." Oh, uh, uh-uh. this, this is. I'm very <laughs> confused. This is big. It's very confused. I was just like, "No, this isn't gonna work for me." And you came over. You spoke to her afterwards, and she introduced us. 
And I was like, mm, well, good for you. Stay over there. Like I was, I was very. <laughs> I was just like, no, this isn't good. This isn't. This isn't good for me. And you were just like, well, fuck you then. I was like, well, fuck you then. Then bye. <laughs> just, like that was that was my first about real right. interaction with. Yeah. <laughs> that was my first real interaction with you. And I was just like, I will never talk to this person again. I never <laughs> want to see him slash her. Ten he, she, years whatever. Later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> whatever he wants to call himself. I'm so done with him. Fuck his ass. I'm done. So, yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's kind of talk about how that, like, you're, what do, what do you identify as? What is your sexuality per se what do you identify and gender identity yes gender and gender identity yeah oh sure um my um sexual orientation i identify as bisexual the unicorn (laughs) why why do wait let's let's focus on that a little bit why Uh do you call us the unicorn because i've never understood that because when when i um when I first learned about like what bisexuality was, it was something that, you know, people used to say, like, it doesn't exist. Like, you know, it, it, it's just something that people use as they're transitioning from being from being straight to either coming out as gay or lesbian. And that you never find any true bisexuals out there. I was like, what the fuck is a true bisexual? I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> okay, uh, so, so what the fuck is a true bisexual? What, how would you define it? I don't know. Like, that, that, that was just how people described it to me. And for me, I, I just look at it as, you know, I understand... I understand why people will say, you know, I'm bisexual versus coming all the way out. You know, it's because they're trying to lessen the blow, I guess, that their family feels as they're making that transition. And their family's like, oh, well, they're still I know, I was bisexual for like a week. I get it. Yeah. Right. And they're like, there's still hope, you know, that they can come back to the, the you know, the, the light side, you know. And it's like, no. And... But for me, I, I I saw it as I got older. Like, I didn't come in contact with that many people that I de- identified as being bisexual. And so when I do run into them, I call them unicorns. Because it's like, damn, there's more of you. Okay. We're magic. We're magic creatures. We yes. yes. <laughs> well, so, I mean... Let me say, like, do you, uh, sorry, sorry, because that's something that really, and, I, and I've told you this before, Patrick, that, that bisexuality really intrigues me. Um, and I think even more so that we've gotten into a deeper, wider spectrum of sexual identities, um, because to me, as I identify as a lesbian, um, you know, to me, I, I guess I, I wonder where people see themselves as bisexual or pansexual. So for you, like when you say bisexual, do you mean that, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, I just want to kind of understand a little bit better, does bisexuality to you as, um, I, 
you haven't spoken on your gender identity yet. So again, I don't want to speak on that. But does bisexuality to you mean that you are sexually attracted to a a um, an assigned male at birth person and assigned female at birth person, like a cisgender female and a cisgender male? Um, is that what you consider bisexuality, like being attracted to both of those? as opposed to like pansexual from what I understand is you're just, you're a little bit more fluid on gender queer people, trans, you know, transgender people. I'm, I'm going to speak on that myself because it's funny you say that because I never identify as bisexual, even though I'm in a marriage with a man, but it is not because he's a man that I am with him. It is because of the individual itself. And I'm attracted to people who identify as women. They might not have been born women, but that's what I identify as now. But I'm also attracted to people who identify as male. So I guess I am a little more pan than anything else. It's just about what you identify as. I don't really care. If I find you hot, I find you hot. And there you go. Um, so I've, I guess I've never spoken to you about this, Phyllis, before. Because, I mean, shit, I'm just coming to a realization myself. Wow, that that I'm not even bisexual. No, anymore. and I've so already figured out what your tagline <laughs> is. If I find you hot, I find you hot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so I'm just like, wow, okay. So, yeah, we we will we'll definitely branch on that a little bit later. Yeah, um, I would love to. But yeah. Write that down. Yeah, um, let, let's put I, that on the list. Put that <laughs> in the show notes. <laughs> I think for me, um, it is male or female identifying. Now, okay. the difference that I see between um, bisexuality and pansexuality is something that you hit on. Like, you know, with bisexuality, mm-hmm. there's there's that male or female identifying versus with pansexuality, there's that gender queer or gender fluid. Ah, uh, okay, 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 okay. So, I'm sorry, keep going. I'm just so intrigued by it. I'm so intrigued. Yeah, so, I think that is the, that's kind of a, an addition onto being, you know, bisexual. Like, if I... um was romantically attracted to someone who identified as genderqueer or gender fluid, then that would move me more towards the pansexual um, side. Of okay. Things. But yes. because okay. I find sexual attraction to those who either identify as male or female, that puts me, that's my perspective on it. And there, you know, it depends on who you talk to. Like some, it's, it's a spectrum. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what I was like. So it's not as it's not necessarily. Uh, I don't even. I guess we could use the term binary. So mm-hmm. you know, you you are attracted to people who exhibit gender binary qualities, yes. or presenting like I myself am really only sexually attracted to women, um, but. Also, to me, it's more of a cisgendered women thing, and yeah. that might seem small-minded yeah. now, but that's just no, that's just that's who you are. That's cisgender who, women. Yeah. So, to you, 
you are attracted to that male presenting and attracted to the female presenting. So yes. it's not necessarily pansexuality, though that male presenting person could have been assigned female at birth and vice versa. Is that, do I understand that correctly? Yes. Okay, okay cool. So let me ask you a question. So Phyllis, you are gender identified as a woman, correct? That is your gender sure. identity. Okay, yep, so you're gender identified as a woman. <laughs> that is what you are. That's what you identify as. Okay. My mind aligns with my gender. There you go. Yes. <laughs> okay, so Phyllis, like like I said earlier, we've known each other for several years now, and we've been friends for a good number of years. But one of the things that led to our friendship was you joining the Miss South Pride Board. Um you joined, I believe it was a year, maybe two years after I joined. Yes. And I'd like to kind of touch on that in your drag life. And we're going to ask you several questions about that, which I'm really excited to hear the answers to. And Alex, you were also a part of that board a little mm -hmm. later on, you know, after we had been on the board for several years. Okay. Well, we served, did we serve? I know that Patrick and I served at the same time. Phyllis, did Phyllis you and was, I serve Phyllis at the was same on time? the board too. Yeah, yeah. you were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we served at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, we were all on the board together for at least a year, almost like almost a full year. We were there for the festival together. Let's just mm -hmm. let's just put it yeah, that way. Yes. We were there for the festival yeah. together. Um, Might as well so, talk about it like it was war. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. We I mean. There. We were we down in those trenches. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was, cause I, like you, you like many others came onto the board after serving uh, time as a helper from the year before you, you helped us immensely the year before. And you were like, wow, y'all do a lot of good work. So I want to jump in there. I'm going to jump in and do something. So my question is, what do you think? of your time as a board member on Pride? Um, I think it was very enlightening. Um, I, mm. I learned a lot. I met a lot of people. Um, it, it definitely um, put me out there a lot more because I ended, when I did end up coming onto the board I immediately kind of got shifted onto events because right. that that was kind of what my background was in um from college and so um with that like I was always like out there like mingling with people and engaging in the community which I thought was great because I'm an extrovert so I was eating that shit up I was like yes yes <laughs> love it love it um and the you know the bonds like you know as we were talking about earlier about you know the festival and everything like that you definitely bonded like even though like the day <laughs> was hectic as hell and because i was on the main stage I never had my headset on so because I couldn't hear it because I was over there by the music and it was blasting in my ears so I couldn't make out any, anything anyone was saying anyways oh so I, um, <laughs> so I, I had to give my headset to like whoever was volunteering with me 
so they could hear it because you weren't gonna get no answers from me and but mm-hmm. hearing the stories though of like oh of, of like what went on on the radios like it was hilarious. everybody frantically um, trying to contact you <laughs> i remember i could hear um, <laughs> and it's 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 just but it, it definitely it it was a great time and it definitely helped me to know like where my passions were like where I wanted to be and and help people and and getting to engage in the community in a way that I probably would not have been able to do from just doing drag you know and I, I definitely cherish my time that I had there but yeah, hold on. I want to stop you there. I want to stop you there. We're gonna get on that a little bit later, but I want to stop you there. That's under the sassy yes, talk yes, session. I can already is, hear the tone that, in your voice. That, if we haven't gotten there yet. I hope you enjoyed part one of our interview. Please join us next time for part two of our titillating interview with Phyllis Freak Nasty Lewis. I'm Alex, and I'm Patrick. And remember, try Jesus, not us. This is Swirl Talk 901. Swirl Talk 901 is a production of Queer For It Media, created and hosted by Patrick Pearson and Alex Carpenter, produced, edited, engineered, and scored by Mary Robine. If I find you hot, I find you hot.